All right, guys, it's time for the next level guy show. A men's interview, interest, and improvement-focused podcast featuring interviews with the greats from all industries to help you better your life. Each week, a new episode features an interview with one of the greats covering all aspects of their story, from life hacks to tips and protocols that have allowed them to live life on the next level. We then highlight concrete action steps that you can use to improve your life. And now, your host, Ian Dawson McKay. Today's guest is Jay Morton. Jay's highlight reel is amazing. He spent 14 years in the military, four of which he was in the Parachute Regiment, and 10 years he spent in the SAS, which is the elite soldiers of the United Kingdom. He's climbed Everest to the summit twice. He was a directing staff member on Channel 4's SAS, Who Dares Wins. He's now a director of Through Dark, and he will also be competing for Praga Cars in the 2021 season, when it's allowed back after COVID. He's someone that should be respected for what they've accomplished in their life and looked on as a role model and inspiration to us for becoming better and hitting that next level in our own lives. After serving his country, Jay exploded onto her screens as the mole in a series of the popular TV show SAS Who Dares Wins. That's Channel 4 on British TV. He became a standout feature in the show and as his amazing past accomplishments and experiences came to light, along with his drive for continual evolution and challenging himself, I knew I had to feature him on the show to learn more about him and how he can become more like him. And in this interview, we discuss his story, his time in the SAS, his experiences of military life, the need to challenge yourself, his TV career, the creation of Through Dark, how to overcome fear, and how to use special forces philosophies and training protocols to better your own performance. And now, let's get to the interview. Thank you so much for coming on. You know, you're... It's really difficult to describe who you are because you've done some amazing accomplishments in your life. You know, you've conquered Everest. You've been in the Special Forces. You're wanting to travel, like major endurance challenges, etc. But for those who maybe don't recognize the name, could you give a little background about who you are and why you're so well known at the moment? Uh, yes, yeah, so my name is Jay Morton, um, and I guess I'm, I'm probably most known for being on on the uh, the Channel 4 show, SAS Who Dares Wins, on the most recent one, um, as the mole, and then uh, coming out as the DS halfway through uh, the series and then on the Celebrity Series. But I guess if you, if you don't know me, um, I'm ex-Special Forces, so I spent 14 years in the SAS, sorry, 10 years in the SAS. Before that, I was in the Parachute Regiment, where I spent five years. Um, and that kind of takes me back to, to my early days. Uh, before the army, um, so that's kind of my life in a in a nutshell, really. So, if we can go right back to when you were a bit younger, you know, what did you originally want to be? Were you always sort of predestined for the military? Do you think, or you know, did you want to be something else when you were initially at school? Because I remember you saying in another interview you didn't really enjoy the academic world and you didn't like the idea of an office job. You you loved being outside. So, what would you have been if you hadn't gone into the military? I always wanted to be a fireman, weirdly. I think it's because we had a family friend that was a fireman. He was our scout leader. And um, he 
yeah, he was always into the outdoors and he's quite a masculine type. Um, and I guess, I don't know, you know, I must have looked up to him in some sort of way. Um, so I always wanted to be a fireman when I was younger. And then, yeah, I guess kind of school for me just, I, even now I don't enjoy being indoors for long periods of time. I struggle to sit still or um, be in office office spaces. Um, I've always got energy from being outside and I'm very active. So I like to be moving all the time and have projects um, projects going on, at, you know, multiple projects going on at one time, whether it's, I mean, building a sauna in my garage to, um, you know, cold dip plunges in the back garden to work projects to a very, very active person who has to get hands on um, and meet people to kind of engage with people. Um, so yeah, like school, like that whole school system for me never really, um, ne never really did it for me. Um, and I kind of, it's only, it's only now weirdly, now you're a bit older, can you retrospectively look back at it and go, yeah, that's why I didn't do well at school. As if it's not an excuse, but I just, I look at how I am now and and that kind of doesn't relate very well to being in a school environment, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think if we were all the same, life would be very boring. And I think a lot of us are not academic or well-suited to sitting down at that age and sort of learning and we don't always take it in mentally you know what i mean it's like we kind of have to mature to a certain point to really kind of have learn our own way of understanding and developing our own skill set um, and i'm definitely the same kind of person i much prefer being outside and you know i grew up on a farm with sheep and all that kind of stuff and i became soft when i started working in an office but what was your inspiration for the joining the military you know was that to kind of keep challenging yourself that action to you know was there a reason for it or did you just find that was at the time that was something that held the most attraction for you? Yeah, I'd, I'd say like it's, it's, it's a few things that attracted me to joining the military. Um, at the time I played rugby and um, I didn't, you know, I didn't really have what, what, what you would class as a, a good job. I didn't enjoy it. I, it didn't motivate me. I was working in a windows factory. Um, and yeah, I had a friend that I went to school with that joined 3Para, which is where I ended up going. And I'd meet him when he came back on leave. And he, you know, he'd tell his stories of what he'd been up to and where he'd been going. And I guess I always liked kind of being around like-minded people. Um, you know, the, playing rugby was, playing rugby kind of fulfilled that for me. I, I wasn't really motivated in the job that I did. I enjoyed being outdoors. I enjoyed traveling. I enjoyed the stories that this this guy came back and used to used to tell me. So you know, it was a combination of all those things. And kind of after I left school, I went into college to study sport. And I always had in my head that I wanted to join the Marines. And I remember going into the Marines um, careers office, and there was like a big kind of meathead. Uh, Royal Marines sat behind the counter. He told me I had to do, I think it was 12 pull ups. I was a scrawny little kid from Preston. I probably could barely manage three pull ups. So that put me off joining the Marines. Um, and I walked walked straight across the road and signed up to join the parachute regiment. 
I probably couldn't even do 12 pull-ups now. You know, I used to do powerlifting. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be struggling. Did you? Did you? Well, you don't, you don't really do any pull-ups in powerlifting, do you? No, I was a fat son back three. then. <laughs> Yeah, just just eating protein and farting. I still do that now, to be honest. Like, <laughs> so, what do you think you got from the military life? Was it a sort of sense of the brotherhood and the camaraderie? Do you know? Do you think there's a part of military life that all guys should have in their life? You know, is it the routine, the rituals? Is it the the teamwork? What, what is it about it, the military that you think is so good for men? I'd say that the biggest point is probably hardship and going through some sort of hardship. Uh, for me, when I joined the military, it was the start of the Afghan campaigns and, you know, you know, going overseas and, and, and fighting in, you know, it's not a war, but you're fighting in battles daily. Um, being exposed to some sort of hardship, you know, experiencing death, um, and then just, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that that's, that's a good thing, but for me it was, you know, you know that hardship could be just military life and, you know, you do difficult things with them in the military. But just going through some sort of hardship and just building, building a resilient character, you know, mentally and physically, you know, I'd say that's, that's the, biggest, the biggest takeaway for me of, of going through the military. And then obviously you've got, Know, a multitude of different skill sets that you leave the military with, you know, the ability to be able to work in teams and understand how important teamwork is, um, you know, and understanding how important physical fitness is and, and mental endurance. Um, yeah, just like simple things, you know, as a, I joined the military, I was 19 years old, like basic administration of yourself. So, ironing, washing your kit, making sure that you're smart, making sure that you can conversate with other people. Like all these skills you learn from being around so many other people, um, you know, that, that you pick up in the military. And I mean, you rose up the ranks to sergeant, you know, you specialized in sort of like medicine and that sort of thing. But what did that teach you back then? Yeah, you know, what did the your time in the SAS and sort of the other um branches, what did it teach you about like leadership of men, about being somebody of value? You know, is is that the thing that you think a lot of guys are missing is the hardship in their life. They're not you know, because you can order a date online, you can order food online, you can order a taxi online. Have we forgotten how to be challenged? There's no rituals to become men anymore? Yeah, massively. Like, um, life's so fucking easy right now, isn't it? Um, you know, you've got a thousand channels on your TV. Um, like you said, you can order food, you can, you know, you get in your car, you drive to work, you sit in the same same office every day. You know, and that's why, I th you know, I think you, you've only got to look at you know, things like adventure racing and outdoor sports, they're, they're getting increasingly increasingly more popular and that's because people people are lacking a challenge in their life, lacking some sort of hardship in their life. Um, so, yeah, you know, I do think, I think it's very important to put yourself in difficult situations. I think you can learn, learn a great deal about yourself um, through being in them situations. You know, you don't want an easy life. You want you want a you want a difficult life, and you want 
you, you almost want to put yourself in those situations and take those chances. And now, so the SAS are notorious for having such like a grueling selection, you know, conditions and criteria. What kept you sort of mentally resilient during your, you know, when you went? Because you go through like the jungles, you go through like climbing mountains. There's like, you know, amazing physical demands they put on you. But when you're sitting there soaking wet, hardly getting any calories in, you know, you're getting shouted up grueling marches etc how do you keep mentally strong you know do you go internally did you have a mantra you, you know how did you keep mentally strong during that time um do, do you know i think mental resilience is something that's taught over a, a period of time it's not something you can just say right i've got a mantra um i've got this skill i've got that um I put this in my drink or whatever it is. It's not something that you can just switch on and switch off. Um, you know, I've, I had four years military experience before I went on, on, on selection. I'd already done a lot of, a lot of difficult things prior to going on two tours of Afghanistan, a tour of Iraq, P company before even getting into the military. So I was, I was, you know, experienced in a way I was, yeah, I'd say I was an experienced soldier before going on selection. Um, so you've already, you know, you've already kind of hardened your mind before starting selection. Uh, but then, you know, whilst I was on selection, there are a, f- a few things that that helped just just get through the day. Uh, and I found probably one of the biggest ones was just associating yourself with people that um, that you see are the strongest. Um, because on selection, at any point, you can you can take yourself off. You can voluntarily withdraw yourself, which means at any point on selection, I hold my hand up and say, I want to voluntarily withdraw. I'll be on a flight back to the UK or, you know, on my way back to, to my home or the, the barracks, wherever, in my car, to some warm food and a nice bed. And I think that's what makes it so difficult it is the fact that it's so easy to just pull yourself off. So, you know... Not once on selection did I ever think that I'd ever do that. But then also the people that I associated with and hung around with were those people as well. And they never thought about doing it. Um, and you build like strength in unity, don't you? Like um, mm-hmm. if you're all strong, then yeah, you, you're all strong and get through it together. I mean, that is something that the sort of SAS surprised itself on is that brotherhood of like, you know, all working together. You're such a strong unit together and you're all, you know, meticulously planned and you've got the training, et cetera. What has it taught you about like teamwork and the importance of like friendships and, you know, like assigning tasks and delegating things? Because you're now working, you know, you've, you've switched your businessman hat on as well now. You're also on the show working as a team with the instructors. What has this kind of taught you about leadership and, you know, like leading from examples and also like delegation and that sort of thing? Um, yeah, like, you know, the military is, you know, the, the best example of, of leadership um, because, you know, we, we do it in the most dangerous situations. Um, yeah, and I've I've personally witnessed good and bad leadership. Um, 
and you can you can you can learn a lot from that bad leadership. You you know I I always feel like I learned more from seeing bad leadership than I did the good leadership. Um, but yeah, you know, for me, you know, I'll start on like bad leadership that I've been exposed to and lessons that I've learned from that. You know that. You know, not understanding you guys, not 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 seeing you know, almost forgetting that you've come through, you've been, as a leader, you've been where the guys that you're leading have been, if that makes sense. Um, and kind of understanding that. Mm-hmm. Not expecting them to do something that you wouldn't do yourself sort of thing or, you know, being uh, able yeah, to serve. Yeah, I just think, you know, some of the best leaders can, can, can they can relate to so many different uh, peer groups almost it's like they came through the ranks they, they started from the bottom but they can they can converse with with everyone because you know in the military you've got a rank structure and um, but you're also you, you you've got to be able to take orders from the top and then get your your men or the people i wouldn't say below you but the men that you manage you've then got to be able to make like get them to carry out the orders whatever they are um so yeah, I'd just say, yeah, like good leaders are just, they're able to be able to pitch themselves at every level uh, and, and, you know, receive the orders from high and being able to delegate them down to the lower ranks with ease. And it all comes down to uh, communication skills and, um, you know, I've seen, I've seen people work their way through the rank and then, uh, you know, unable to, to kind of communicate with, with the people that they're leading. Um, and essentially it comes down to trust. Like if you don't trust who's in charge of you, especially in something as harsh as a firefight or battle, that's that's where it's all going to break down. Uh, you've been in situations where bullets are flying, you know, normally people would avoid the, you know, it's the stuff that like the, the typical layman sees it on a film, you know, it, you go into some of the dangerous locations, rescue people, do all these kind of missions. How have you learned to overcome fear during this point? You know, because most people would shit themselves going into some of the stuff that you guys go into. But how how did you learn to deal with that kind of panic, worry? You know, cause I take it fear is always there, but how do you not let it overpower you in that kind of situation? Yeah, again, again, it goes it goes down to that kind of experience um you know and yeah fear fear is always there but i guess it's it's that's your job and you want to you want to be experienced in your job and it's it comes down to repetition like the more the more you can train the more proficient you are at your job the more confidence you have going into somewhere um and plus it's like when we go out and do these operations in afghanistan we're constantly going out you know we're out most nights um, and you just get used to it, if I'm honest. It's just, it's experience over a long period of time that just, you, you just, you know, you still you still feel the fear, but um, you're just more focused on what's going on, what your job is, who's around you, you know, how you can assist the team and how the, the team can assist you, um, and just focus on, on the task and the mission. Um, yeah, and you just you, so it's, it's difficult to say. It's like you just you become used to it. You become 
um, akin to what's going on, um, and just you know, just do your best. I suppose it's similar to sort of like you know learning a skill it's when you break it down it's fine you know when you drill in certain parts of it but until you're actually say like rolling in jiu-jitsu rather than just drilling a movement you're only learning or getting the experience of it and how it would actually affect you and feeling the stress and the anxiety i mean i know it's not nine on that kind of level but it's like you're saying is the level of training you get it, you kind of learn to adapt and your body you know you get used to the stress that you put on yourselves and the fear and it almost becomes like part of your story that you can tell yourself um so how do you go about training in that sense you know how do you make sure it's as authentic and as helpful you know what would i know there's no really a typical day in the sas but what kind of training would you do is it like body weight stuff because i mean you go into jungles and that sort of thing how do you keep your training and keep your strength up and fitness and cardio and all that during these kind of, you know, like training situations and stuff like that when you're not on a mission? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, training is a massive aspect of being in the SAS. Um, you know, you generally train for 95% of it and then 5% of it is the actual crunch moment where the rounds are flying. Um, and, you know, going back to what you were saying about jujitsu, it's very similar. It's, um, you know, if you were to fight a black belt and you were a white belt, that black belt would, you know, definitely beat you in, definitely beat you as a white, as a white belt. But, you know, as you progress and you become more experienced, you then have a chance of beating that black belt. And it's, it's very similar in a firefight. It's very similar going back to that fear model. It's, you know, the more you drill, the more you drill room combat, the more you drill um, attacks, the more proficient you become at it, the more confident you, you get with it. And, especially when you go out to theatre, the more operations you go on, the more confidence you get with your team, um, the, the more you understand it all, the, the more chance you've got of being successful in that mission. Um, but going back to your question about the, the training, um, you know, training's, from, from when I joined the SAS, training's massively evolved over that 10-year period. And when I joined the SAS, it was more about just, you know, a bag of chips at the weekend kind of thing, pint of Guinness. Um, Sounds good. Yeah, yeah, but no, you know, they're very, um, you know, very. They look into the research on exactly what a sort like a soldier needs, a special forces soldier needs to perform, and you know, and we pre- predominantly cover long period, long distances, carrying heavy kit, and then we need to be able to perform at the end of that. So whether it's you know, smash a door down with a with a method of entry tool. Um, you know, kick a door down with our feet and then go into a room, not being out of breath. So all our training is evolved around being able to do that. Um, so for us, it was a lot of lifting, uh, but also a lot of high intensity stuff, a lot of sprints on salt bikes, on treadmills, um, but then also covering some long distance stuff as well, just to get the, uh, you know, just to get used to that kind of long distance stuff. Um, and I guess now it's like, you know, I've always trained. I've always, you know, I've always had a passion for training and I pride myself on my body being able to do anything I ask it to. And I want to carry it for me, but it's, it's all about longevity now. And I want to be one of those people that's, you know, 85 years old and still cracking marathons and deadlifting 100 kg. Um, and I think, you know, I think if you think that in your mind, like that's half the battle, uh, you know, I sometimes see 
you know, now I'm 36 years old, I sometimes see these like 40 years, 40 year old people saying, you know, I can't do what you do because I'm 40 years old. And it's like, your brain's already given up, so your body will follow. Um, so yeah, for me now, it's, it's all about, you know, what's the next adventure and how can I better my body for that? Um, so yeah, at the minute, you know, I've got an endurance event coming up, so I'm doing a lot of long distance uh, endurance kind of training. But yeah, training is a massive aspect in, in, in my life. So how do you keep that kind of mentally strong as well? Is it just using what you've done in your training and other missions and successful sort of surgeries, et cetera, where you use them as sort of mental reference points because you know you've done it before, so you can utilize the, you know, you know what to expect. And like, you know, you've sort of researched and intel that you've got to that point, you know what's what to expect you you know that you know the parameters you know your set instructions so well that when you're asked to jump out a helicopter or dive into a freezing lake or whatever it is you you expect it it's nothing unusual yeah it's like an um, exposure um yeah the more exposure exposure you have to things uh, whether it's you know exposure to cold or lack of sleep um same with fitness whether you know the more you've been exposed to you know, long distance events or carrying kit over a long period of time, you uh, you strengthen your mind, like your mental mental fitness. Um, and you also know your body can do it. Um, you know, whereas if you've never done anything like that before, if you've never, you know, carried weight for 20 to 30 miles over the hills and then you all of a sudden do it, it's a lot, lot more difficult. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess it's yeah, for me, yeah, it's just it's just exposure. Exposure to you know, to, to, to lifting and exposure to fitness. So what do like the military and the SAS teach you then about when you know when the shit hits the fan? Because I'm assuming that you may be given a mission brief and you go in and you know, you anticipate XYZ, but you know, parameters of a mission may change like something happens a helicopter doesn't work or whatever it is what do they teach you about dealing with mission changes and sort of changing on the fly and you know being able to have that growth mindset that you can immediately go right what do we need to do here you know take stock and be resilient enough not to panic and then just start putting the steps in place to succeed do you get training on that sort of thing uh, you don't get training as such, but I guess that's you know one of the one of the essential skills of being a soldier is you have the ability to be able to adapt to an ever changing environment because you know battle isn't battle isn't linear. Uh, there's so many different things that can that can go on and happen, and you need to be able to adapt and adjust to that whilst under massive stress. You know, exposed to whether it's someone from your team that might might have been shot or killed or you know, you've got all these factors that you have to constantly assess and adapt and change to um, and that's what makes a good soldier so when you decided to come out of the army i think it was 2018 you yeah. were saying that you know you it was you wanted to keep achieving and trying new things in life did you struggle with that transition to sort of civilian life did you get any support 
um, because I work with PhD students in my let's see, proper job. And one of the guys um, working with, he's looking at, the, you know, sometimes um, soldiers don't get that uh, kind of transitional help to into civilian life. Did you find that you kind of felt a bit lost or, you know, how did you, with that change of your story, did you miss the sort of brotherhood of the army or did you find it difficult to kind of get back to civilian life? Yeah, when I initially came out, it was a massive shock. Um, and, you know, I probably underestimated it. Um, so I, I, you know, I applied for what's called early release. So I pretty much signed off and six weeks later, I was a civilian. Um, so I never actually went through the the kind of official uh, like 12 month period that you get when you when you normally sign off um, where the army will prepare you for coming out and being a civilian so I can't really make a comment on that um, but yeah I, it was a massive shock I, I pretty much went from you know working you know I was in the squadron I was working as part of a team and then you know two weeks later I was sat in a flat in London um, you know and with partially set up through dark as a business but we didn't really have much to do we didn't really know if it was going to succeed um you know it was still almost a concept we weren't really selling any clothes um i was sat in a fight in london just just wondering like what the fuck i've done um it is it's weird you go from being surrounded by loads of like-minded strong individuals to just being sat on your own and, and that was a massive culture shock to myself but um i'm a very independent person um and you know that the military for me was very supportive in, in what i was doing they offered you know from what you know they offered all the help that they could um and i you know i can't say anything negative about them in that respect i'm sure other people have different experiences um but yeah, it was. It was a massive culture shock for me. Because I've interviewed um, like Nick Bear, who's uh, who used to be in the US Army. Um, I also interviewed a guy called the Passive Panda, um, and he was Sounds talking. Real, oh, sorry, it said uh, Nick. No, it wasn't the Passive Panda. It was Nick the. Oh, I can't remember off the top of my head just now, and. Um, he had lost his legs while he was in Iraq after an IED had flipped the vehicle he was in. And that's what they both had said. It was that transition to kind of go back to civilian life where there wasn't the, there wasn't the, the steps had been put into place and the PhD student that I'm working with, that's what they're looking at is putting in a system in place of how they can make that transition, how they can make sure that people are coming back get the help with PSTD, uh, PTSD, how they get, you know, the skill sets they need to go back into civilian life, help with jobs and stuff like that. Um, I mean, did you find that you struggled with that, the, the, losing that anxiety of, oh, sorry, losing the, the challenge of going into dangerous situations, jumping at helicopters? Did, you know, did life become a bit boring? Because you've said that you always like to challenge yourself and keep pushing yourself do you think that's why then you decided to go and climb Everest for a second time? You just needed something to push yourself? Yeah, I think, you know, going back to what you were just saying about, you know, the, the guy who came back after he lost his legs, 
you know, I always think of that. That's a, a different scenario to what I was in, because that you know, you know, the the lad he never he didn't have a choice to leave the army. Um, whereas for me, it was you know, I I wanted to leave the army. It was my choice to come out. Uh, like I'm responsible for it. It's, you know, it's my life. Um, if I come out and fuck it up, then it's my fault. Um, whereas, yeah, you know, the, the other lad, you know, they don't get that choice when they when they lose the legs and and get uh, discharged. Um, what was the original question? Sorry. Well, it was just a kind of like, um, like how have you dealt with that kind of change of story to now becoming the celebrity of? you know, like who dares wins. How how's it changed for you to now go back into the military but going from a secretive organization to a Channel Four series, a hit T V series which you're a big part of? How yeah, have you found was, that? Yeah, like I, I you know, there's massive aspects of being in the special forces that I miss. I do miss I do miss all that, you know, the you know, the adrenaline side of it, um, which is, you know, why I guess I, I could never have come out and just just settled for you know a nine to five job or, or whatever it is, um, and I had to challenge myself in different ways, and you know that was with through Dart the business that gives me a, a challenge in a in a different completely completely different aspect to the adrenaline, um, yeah, and, and completely I was never going to leave the military and just settle down and do nothing, um, and and. And leaving the military has given me a lot more time on my hands to be able to to go off and do more expeditions like Everest for the second time and I climbed Manusley the year before um, did some other expeditions and focused more on my surfing and um, yeah but then yeah like and then that kind of led into the TV stuff and um, so look kind of I've not even been out I've not even been out two years yet and I, I feel like I've, I've done quite a lot um, and it's it's kept that that thirst for challenge and adventure. It's kept that going. It's time for a quick break. There are millions of potential products to buy, so how do you know which ones are worth your hard-earned money? Simple. You go to nextlevelguy.com slash affiliates and explore those that will transform and improve your life. You'll find deals, listener exclusives, and special offers with some great companies. Recommendations are 100% honest and only on items Ian has tried or believes in. The companies showcased will make you a better man in all areas of your life. Simply go to nextlevelguy.com slash affiliates and level up. So how did the, like how authentic do you think the, the church challenges and the lifestyle that they portray on the show, how realistic is it? I know you can't discuss it with like with the Secrets Act and stuff like that, but how close is it do you think like has a film or a tv show ever come close to that kind of sas lifestyle no. um do you know what like uh the american seals have made quite a few movies like captain phillips um lone survivor um and what's the osama bin laden one uh, zero oh, dark the... 30 yeah like zero dark 30 was yeah that's 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 more like it. That's that's more like real life overseas on operations and, and training and stuff like that. They've made those films like really, really um, realistic. Um, like the, you know the SAS show on Channel Four. That's that's completely different. You know, it's it's um, 
the instructors are all special forces. Um, and you, you can only work with what you can work with, can't you? And we have, we have these recruits for two weeks and we've got to put, put them under similar kind of stresses to what you would experience in some sort of special forces selection. Um, it's, it's, it's completely different to what normal special forces selection is, is like. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it's more a TV show, um, to put these civilians under, under stress and, uh, you know, sleep deprivation and all these kind of things that you go through on selection and it, it makes for good TV. I mean, that's the thing nowadays is with the you know the introduction of um, Call of Duty, the video game, with these kind of shows, you know, we get everybody now who thinks they could be a special forces soldier, that they have the grit and all this kind of stuff. Has there been anybody that you've worked with on the show that's really surprised you? You know, that, that, you know when you've met them, you thought, no, oh, fuck. But then they've kind of blown you away with their mental resilience or their, their ability to, you know, dig down and become and really keep pushing themselves and done more than you, you thought they could do? Yeah, you know, the, the guys that get there to the end um, on on the civilian and, you know, I'd say the, the two lads that got to the end on the civilian one, that, you know, strong lads, they push themselves to the absolute limits and given a different career choice, they could potentially find themselves in the special forces. Um, it obviously takes a lot more, you know, a lot more to, to get into the special forces than just Grit, determination, physical fitness—you know—you need a, a high, high aspect of of, of uh, training, being a soldier, and operational experience, and all that other stuff that goes into it, other than just being able to, you know, jump off, jump off stuff into into water backwards and whatnot. Uh, but you know, they show the same traits as what what a special forces soldier would, um, which is why they got there to the end. And that, I mean, that's something I'm very interested in is that level of top performers, you know, because the SAS guys do amazing things, you know, and, and I've spoken to Rusty Furman and a few others who've been in the military and they've all said, you know, we're just normal guys, but we just do the stuff that a lot of other people, don't, you know, so other people don't need to do it. What have you noticed about the guys you've worked with, you know, working with the guys in the show, working in the SAS? Have you noticed similarities in the type of people, the way they their attitudes to rituals and procedures, or do you think we're they're kind of it's nature or nurture? You know, are are people like that born? Do you think, or can these skills be taught and then transferred into other jobs and life? Yeah, I'd say there's I'd say there's not one set mold. I'd say everyone's everyone's a little bit different. Uh, you know, some of it's nature nurture, some of it's experiences through life. You know, I'd, I'd agree with what the other guys said. Which we're very, very normal. Well, say very normal people. Some people <laughs> but, you know what I mean? In the, in, in the most positive of, of ways. Um, we are just very normal people. We just chose a different career path. Um, one thing I would say about Special Forces guys is very, very driven, whether they appear to be on the outside or not. Uh, very competitive. Um, very alpha dominant kind of characters. Um, they obviously have to be for the you know to put yourself through special forces selection. You have to be that way out. Um, but yeah, you just get a massive, you get a, a diverse range of people uh, within the special forces, which is why it makes it so 
such a you know formidable fighting force is that diversity and do you see the sort of similarities in the guys there are they similar to you in the sense of they need to keep challenging themselves like do you think that's possibly what draws a lot of them to these kind of special forces units is that it is into extreme circumstances that not a lot of people would get the chance to go into is it that they all want to keep like they need the adrenaline they need the alpha-ness of it or is it that like some of them the guys have spoken to have said they needed this kind of a structure in their life did you find there was a sort of similarities in any ways with the guys um it's hard to say because like not one person's the same mm-hmm. and everyone's everyone's got their own different reason for being there um everyone's got their own different story you know some people some people are 100 percent like alpha male want to be team leader want to be you know the best person in that troop uh want to go on and be sergeant major and all that kind of stuff uh some people enjoy you know the adrenaline adrenaline aspect of it and you know jumping out of planes helicopters some people just love being soldiers some people go because it's a better life and more money um you, you have you have a lot of reasons there it's hard to just pinpoint one if that yeah i mean that's that's why i always find a kind of a difficult question to ask is that i've spoken to a lot of people who have said about like not having a father figure in their life and then you speak to somebody else who does the similar kind of stuff and it's like they've had you know a father that like present in their life the whole time and i i, I really i get annoyed when i hear people kind of saying like oh it's only broken people do this or you know go on big wave surf and all this kind of stuff because it's everybody's got the uniqueness but it's what we seek in life you know it's not really your starting point it's where you end up or the journey that you go on to get there and these guys do amazing things i mean you you save lives you help people you know it's you do things that very few people could do and you should be immensely proud of what you've done and even now the stuff you're doing i mean like climbing everest the second time you know what was the inspiration to go again and how have you found that kind of thing because i've um i've seen aunt middleton's uh book tour that he did where he talked about some of the the human like waste that he found up on the like a, on the summit and that sort of thing is it getting to that point that it's becoming commercialized going to everest is it losing its appeal for you do you think um no, no, it doesn't actually. Um, I feel like, I feel like the people. Yeah, I feel like you know a lot of people talk about it being commercialized. Commercialized, they've never stepped foot on the mountain. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I enjoyed both experiences of being on Everest, and I do it again in a heartbeat. Yes, should the you know are there people on the mountain that shouldn't be there? A hundred percent. But it is. It's Everest. It's the highest mountain in, in the world. It draws people into it. You know, they're paying a lot of money. That the money goes into. I mean, it should go into tourism, but I'm pretty sure you know a lot of it lines pockets. Um, but you know, it's that's the allure of climbing Everest. Um, and you know, going back to when I climbed it last year, you had the massive queues up on the the Hillary Step. And yeah, you know, that kind of dampens the experience of it all. And, um, you know, the summit day wasn't that enjoyable just because of the queues and uh, 
uh, the amount of people that were up there, but you know, going back to 2017 when I summited it, like I was the only guy on the summit. There was no one else. Like I climbed, you know, didn't even have my Sherpa with me, just just sat on the summit on my own. And like that experience is special to me. Do you know? Like I got I got all that out of that experience. Um, so for me, like the, the bug is still in me to climb it again, and I want to climb it again. Um, I also want to put my energy into climbing some other mountains like K2. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I always find a lot of people that, a lot of people that call Everest commercial have never climbed it. Yeah. Cause like that's something because coming from the Highlands, I've done a lot of hill walking and I've done Monroe's and stuff like that, but I've never actually, I've not been able to have the go and do something like that yet. And I mean, I've done a skydive for the Marie Curie cancer charity and stuff like that, but I always find that when people say that, it's like, oh no, it's easy. Everybody's doing it now. And you're like, well, yeah, why haven't you done not. it then? It's that yeah, attitude, it's... people. It's more, a ne- it's always people's negative attitudes towards things of rather than going, oh, fucking hell, you did that. Well done. People would rather just go, oh, you do. Everybody's doing that now because it's, it means they don't then have to think or like be motivated to go do themselves or do it. I mean, do you find that's when you feel most alive is that you're being challenged? Is it that you're, that you're needing to just keep pushing and pushing and pushing yourself and finding out what you're truly capable in life? Yeah, for sure. And it's, um, you know, it's, I always like to have something that's coming up or something that I'm working to. Um, and yeah, like, yeah, like I think when I went on Everest the second time, I was cursing myself for going on, you know, because there's a lot of waiting around on these big mountains. It's the expedition's six weeks and, you know, the food's not that great and the accommodation's not that great, which is, you know, I'm not knocking the accommodation. The accommodation was great, but, you know, you're eating the same thing every day and the altitudes are stinker, you know, you don't sleep very well and all that kind of stuff. And halfway through, I'm just like, Jay, what are you doing back on the mountain? Um, but, yeah, you know, I just, I just, I don't know, as a person, I just need things to do that are difficult. I think it's because I've always had a positive feedback, a positive feedback loop from doing difficult things. Um, and yeah, I just, yeah, I just, I understand that I, I just get a lot from it. I get a lot of uh, like mental strength and, uh, you know, a lot of positive feedback from doing these difficult things. Because it was kind of the reason I started the podcast was I needed uh, an outlet to challenge myself and speak to other people and learn how to do these things. Because I thought even if it was just myself, like listen to it, at least I could learn how I could be like these guys, like yourself, who have done these amazing things. When I seen Ant talk about it, I thought the first thing that went through my mind was, how can I do it? Could I do it for a charity? You know, mm-hmm. could I take some time off my work? And there's people sitting there going, oh, yeah, yeah, so-and-so's done it. I was like, so what? That should be motivation yeah. for you to go and do it. And, you know, like when I did the skydive, I was like, right, what's next? What can I do now? And I think that's something we, a lot of us don't have in life. It's that kind of challenge anymore. You know, how, what kind of planning goes into it? Because you're the definitely somebody, I think, that who pushes past average and goes and, you know, chases greatness. So this endurance challenge, for example, that you're setting yourself up for, what, how do you sort of plan for these trips? You know, how much goes into it? How much of it is kind of like, how do you sort out the food and the resources you're going to need? Like, how do you plan to climb Everest and stuff like that? What kind of goes into that for you? Like, how much time do you do before it? Who do you do it with? That sort of thing. 
Yeah, I had to say for, for, for the Everest expeditions and you know, for all my expeditions, I've been pretty lucky uh, that, that someone else has picked up the bill for it. Um, so whether, whether that was the army or, or, um, or clients that picked up the bill for it. So I can, I can completely understand, you know, the majority of people, even myself, I couldn't afford to go and pay 50,000 US dollars to go and climb Everest. Now I just couldn't, and I wouldn't, it's a, it's a lot of money and it's stupid to spend it on, on, on something like that. Um, but yeah, like kind of, you know, obviously planning and preparations key. Um, like the first Everest expedition we did, um, did it with a, a, an ex-injured veteran called John. Um, and and, and he, had, he didn't have that much climbing experience. So the whole point was to, to get him through some sort of training package um, so that he'd be proficient in climbing when we got to Everest and be able to use all the kit and equipment as well. Um, so we, we, we went out to Chamonix for a couple of weeks, uh, did some time in Scotland, in the Lake District. Um, and then we went and climbed another 8,000 meter mountain, which is called Manaslu, uh, which I believe is the eighth, eighth highest, uh, which we failed on. Um, but it was, you know, it was important for us to get up to, or get up to as high as we could, which was about seven and a half thousand feet, uh, seven and a half thousand meters, just to, just to actually feel like what it, what it was like at that altitude. So that, you know, cause you know, the, the big, the expensive one is Everest. Manaslu isn't as expensive. So if we had got up to like, you know, 7,000 meters on Manaslu and we couldn't hack it, um, then we knew not to spend the extra money on Everest, if that, you know, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, like kind of, kind of now going into expeditions, um, like I was due to climb K2 this year, which is, you know, which is a big, big tick list for me. Um, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot more dangerous uh, due to it being a lot steeper. Um, so I guess, you know, mentally preparing myself is one thing. Um, you know, being in the best possible mindset uh, to go and go and tackle that. And that's that's a, a kind of a bit of an internal battle for me and just making sure that it's something that I want to do and I'm 100% committed to it. So there's not an ounce of me inside that says, you know, I'm not doing this or why am I doing this? You know, I need... I need to understand that I'm in it, I'm in it, and I'm in it for 100% because I want to do it. Um, the physical aspect of it, um, you know, I'm, I'm always, I'm always kind of, not peak fitness, but I'm always, you know, 80% there or thereabouts. I like to push myself a lot in, in, in physical fitness. Um, so, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd adjust that to maybe a bit more longer distance stuff try and shed a bit of muscle on my upper body because that eats into the oxygen whilst we're up high. Um, and then, yeah, like, you know, if, if you, if you, if you wanted to do this kind of expedition, then obviously you're going to have to get some, some financial backing or, or savings because it's not cheap. Um, especially if you, if you want to do Everest, there's, you know, there's a, there's a lot of pre-training that goes into it. And if you've never climbed before, um, so yeah, and then now this, you know, this Trident project, this, this endurance events, eating up quite a lot of, of my time at the minute with the preparation of that, um, you know, trying to arrange sponsorship and, you know, charities and, and press and all that kind of stuff. And again, it's something that I've never done before, 
you know, I've come from a military ba- background. I was in the special forces for 10 years. I've never had to deal with any, any, any of this kind of stuff, <laughs> um, which is, it, it, you know, it's all new and, and, and I'm learning all this stuff and I'm, I'm definitely not doing it right. <laughs> um, but no, it's, you know, it's just, I enjoy having conversations with people that, um, that are more knowledgeable than me, probably similar to yourself. You know, with the podcast, you know, having these conversations with people that are just really good at what they do or have more experience in things that I don't have experience in. I mean, do you think that's part of the reason that you went into the sort of through dark, that it was the kind of unknown and you were having to learn new things and it was to keep challenging yourself? Or was it that you've said about in another interview about, you know, you kind of get used to judging equipment that you're provided and you wanted to create the best equipment possible for people who are doing this sort of stuff you know do you did you find there was that adrenaline and that fear that kind of enticed you into going into business with your two mates to start through brad it's through dark yeah do you know like the business answer is we want to make the best best outdoor clothing equipment uh, yeah the best outdoor clothing and equipment like in the world that's the that's the business answer I guess for me, you know, it was that I I enjoy that unknown, you know, that stepping into the unknown and not knowing what's going on and the challenge of learning something new. Um, and all three of us, when we when we left the military, like, you know, through dark really wasn't a thing and we took a massive pay cut. Like I, ate into my, I, I was eating into my savings at a, a rapid rate. Um, you know, we were all kind of just holding on to it, just hoping that, the concept to be proved at some point and um, but like you know it was an adventure um and, and that's probably you know the personal reason for going in there because that's something i mean a big part of me was when i was younger was i didn't i was getting fed up of not living life i was going to the pub and that i wasn't really enjoying it and i didn't want to have regrets and i was getting to a point where i was thinking no, I need to start going out and living life and doing what I want. So I started pushing myself and going out and doing it and stuff. But what would you say to us? Do you think everybody should have their own kind of Everest expedition, so to speak, that we should all have some sort of challenge that we work towards? You know, do you think it's, it's a shame that people do go to their deathbeds with regrets like that? Do you think every man should have a big challenge in their life at some point? Yeah, you know, gold standard. Yes. Um, but I know it's very difficult for everyone to just go out and just say, right, I'm going to work towards some sort of Everest. Do you know, I think, I think, I think people could just, you know, if we just got out, outside a little bit more and just got outside of our houses and, you know, whether it's go for a run or just go for a walk or, you know, go and stand in the rain or something like that, you know, just, just get outside more. And I think everyone should have some sort of hobby or interest or sport whatever it is that's, that's active, um, whether it's with teams or on your own, I think you can just learn a lot from that. Um, and then, yeah, you know, for me personally, I've been, I've been some, something, something in my, in, in my sights that's external to work or relationships, uh, that's personal to me. I get a lot from that. Um, and I think, yeah, I definitely think other people could too. I just know the steps to get in there are, are difficult. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, you know, if everyone just got outside a little bit more and just, just found interests that, that meant, meant that they got outside, uh, more then, yeah, you know, there'd be a lot more happier people in the world. 
And I mean, you you do some amazing things. You know, you you climbed. You're a soldier. You're now doing the business. Your adverts for the the Three Dark brand is amazing. Like I, I subscribed as soon as I saw them. You know, you're you just seem to be going from strength to strength. You're now on the TV show and everything you seem to go on, you just seem to smash. You know, you do it so well. But have you learned? training hacks like is there a way of like developing your skill set that you've found that works for you is it just getting the reference point and throwing yourself into things you know how do you make sure that you don't stagnate and you keep your skills fresh and you just is it you just keep finding challenges in your life do you think yeah a little bit um i i, I have a general idea in my head of of almost the person that i want to be in five ten years and like where i want to be and what i what I, what, what I want to have achieved in that time. Like I've got that, like I'm not, I'm not a person who writes stuff down. Um, I've tried, but I just lose the, lose the pieces of paper. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have a general idea that, of where of the person that I want to be in five to, five to 10 years. Um, and I'm, I'm constantly working towards that. Um, but then, yeah, in terms of like hacks that I found uh, useful, um, you know, I've got a big relationship with physical fitness and pushing myself, you know, I get, you know, pushing myself and, and making myself mentally resilient and mentally strong. Like that for me has been you know, paramount. Um, education, um, you know, I'm not somebody who sits and watches the media or TV. Um, I struggle to sit down and watch TV, to be honest. I like podcasts, I listen to books. You know, we all get this choice to, we all get, get a choice to um, absorb information, don't we? And it's, we all get a choice of what information we absorb. And if, you know, we're sat in front of the TV watching EastEnders or Coronation Street, then, you know, that's that's the kind of person that you, you're going to aspire to be. And if, mm-hmm. you know, if you sat listening to inspiring people on podcasts mm-hmm. or, you know, things that you're interested in, then you're going to educate yourself in, 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 in them areas. Um, so I've always been... Go on. Oh, sorry. That's what I was going to say. Was that's why I love speaking to people like you. Is that you say things like that? You know that I love that kind of answer. Where it's there is far more to life than sitting watching TV. And you're a prime example of somebody who takes life by the horns and actually just goes and does what. And, you know, just looking at your bio, for example, blows me away. And that's why I love the idea of speaking to somebody like you and why. You, you should be the kind of celebrities we have rather than these idiots like the Kardashians and these sort of people. Because yeah. we all have the same 24 hours in our life. And people go, oh, no, I couldn't do that. And you're like, well, why not? Have you tried it? Yeah. No. You know, they people immediately assume that they can't be that kind of person. And then this, when you do the sort of future setting, you know, they're looking at who you want to be. What kind of things did you consider? Is it like relationships, your business? Or was it just the kind of person that you were going to be or what you would hold, like, like what would you want from life? How did you go about that kind of exercise? Um, do you know what? I just like to progress in everything that I do and I enjoy progressing. So, like, the vision of me in five, ten years is, like, a progressed version of myself now. I don't, I don't have, like, like I said, I don't write stuff down. I, I don't have, like, a... I don't have like an image in my head. I just know that it's a progressed version of what I am now. Um, and yeah, that, that, that image is quite quite personal to that. You know, that mm-hmm. vision's quite personal to me. But um, 
yeah, I don't know, going back to, to what you were saying, you know, you know, there's, there's definitely 100% nothing special about me. Like, you know, I'm just, just, just a, a normal person, but, you know, I guess you just get exposed to different things as you go through life. And yeah, I'm just very much of the mind of, you know, we do all get that same 24 hours in a day. We do get the same, you know, we do get the same time in our, you know, in the day. And life's short and it's cliche, but like, I want to have, you know, I want to die on my deathbed of being able to have said that I've done everything that I, I ever had the opportunity to do or I've pushed myself to be able to experience things that, that I want to experience and seen parts of the world and push myself mentally and push myself physically and just got the most out of life. And see, the, like, for example, the next thing you're doing is the endurance challenge. Yeah. How, to give a flavor to people, I mean, just some of hearing the training you're doing is mind blowing. But how, if you had to sum it up to people just to get a, for, give them a flavor, what would you say it is? Because it's like a triathlon of mountains, perhaps. It's, it's just kind of, wow when you just hear it never mind see the training you're doing but could you go into a little bit about the challenge about what you can give us at the moment yeah sure um yeah for me i guess it's just um yeah just to see what the hell i can do um but yeah the, the challenge is it's called a trident project um and we plan on so cycling the length of the uk which is just under a thousand miles uh, whilst concurrently swimming the lengths of each of the largest lakes in England and Scotland and Wales, uh, and running to the top of each of the highest mountains, so the, the three peaks, um, which, I don't know, like for me, when I say that, it doesn't sound as big, but to kind of put that into context, um, so we're planning on doing it in two weeks, 14 days. Um, so an average cycling day looks around 160 miles. Um Lake Baller in, in Wales is four miles long. And then we've got a marathon straight after to get to the top of Snowdon. Um, Windermere is 10 miles, roughly. So that's a 10-mile swim in one day. And then the, the run's actually not too bad. It's about 12 miles, I think, from Windermere up to Scarfell. Um, but then when we get up to Scotland, we've got Loch Orr. Um, and Loch Orr's two 10-mile swims back-to-back. And then we've got a 50-mile run from Loch Orr to Ben Nevis. Um, and then we're going to sleep at the bottom of Ben Nevis. And then we've got the run up to Ben Nevis and back down. And then we finish on our 180-mile bike ride up to um, uh, John O'Groats. So it's, do. as you do. So it's, you know, I tried, I tried to, like, fit it into Ironmans just, just to get a bit of perspective and I've, I've completely forgotten the numbers, but it kind of looks like, I think the swimming something like 26 times what you do on an Ironman, the cycling something like 12 times the, what you do on an Ironman and the, the running's about three times as much as an Ironman. Because you talked about your goal setting where you said you wanted to see what your, what was possible, you know, you I'm, um, I'm interviewing a guy called Mark Beaumont who cycled around the world um, a couple of times and he's gone right around Africa and all these sort of things and that's what he said was when it came to goal setting he looked at what was what was possible or what he thought he could achieve not what he needed to do to break the record 
he wanted to really push himself and see what's achieved. You know, is that why what you do in your goals? Because you said to yourself, you what you could do easily do it in a month, but you wanted to see if you could do it in two weeks. Yeah. Do you yeah, do you I, need that? I I feel like like sat here speaking to you. I feel like I could do it now. Like mentally, physically, I feel like I'm capable. If I set off now, I'll do it in 14 days. Um, I don't, I don't like. I think yeah, that's probably my mindset. Um, but then I I know like. That's my mindset, but then, you know, the uh, the uh, the brain kicks in and just says, "Well, make sure you pre- you know you're sufficiently prepared. Make sure you know your tendons, your joints, like your injury, like any injuries that arise. Make sure all that's like managed so that you give yourself the best possible chance of doing it." Um, but yeah, like you know, and, and, and just to just to put the spin on the, the challenge, you know, the challenge wouldn't be the challenge without the why. And the why for us is, um, so we want to, you know, mental health for me has been something that's, you know, very close to my heart. I've, you know, I had some friends that have suffered with, with whatever. And for me, I, I can hand on heart say that my, you know, I've, I've never had a problem with my mental health. Um, although my friends probably think differently, but um, it's, uh, <laughs> But I, I kind of put that down to the relationship I have with physical exercise, with constantly challenging myself, and all the things that we spoke about on this on this podcast. And I want to I, I want to try and get that across to people by doing this challenge, um, you know, by saying that that I'll be putting myself through these for, this fourteen day of struggle. But at the end, I'll be a stronger, better version of myself, um, and try and you know, just get that message out to as many people as possible. That if they can go through their own struggles, whether physically, whether mentally, uh, they'll be better people because of that and take that strength from that struggle as opposed to feeling sorry for themselves or, you know, thinking that they're hard done by. I love that because when I've had struggles with depression myself and I can certainly appreciate the you know where some of these people come from where they kind of say oh no i can never do that no it's no me i'm not that type of person mm-hmm. and it's sometimes it's actually changing somebody's story and their identity to of what they believe they can do and this is why i love speaking to people like yourself where you show us that it's not what you start from it's possible you know this is why i like love speaking to you it's learning the hacks and the tools to go then to, to go in and achieve what we want from life and our, you know, to accomplish our own Everest, whatever it is for these people. I mean, I know we're coming very close to time, but your book that's coming out, and is it in January twenty twenty one that it's getting released? Um, yes. Up... Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. Could you go into a little bit about that? I mean, um, just to give it, like, you know, the perfect time for a sales pitch here. What and has it helped writing it? Has it helped you come to terms with your time in the army, with who you are as a person, what you want from life? Has that kind of helped in any way to kind of put the past in the past? Um. Yeah. No. I mean, it's it's you know it's you have all these experiences that you know, you know built up from fourteen years military experience, from the expeditions, from all the climbing. And you have all this this experience and knowledge that you've gained over the the years, but you you know you you rarely stop and actually articulate it or think about it or think about you know the the tools and the tricks and the you know the things that 
that push you and drive you and motivate you and make you a better person. Um, so yeah, to kind of actually get all that out onto paper, um, it, it, yeah, it's, it's quite therapeutic. Um, and the book is a set, the book's called Soldier. It's actually launching on, it's launching t- uh, tomorrow, Thursday. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to do an autobiography and, you know, I'm 36 years old. I, I think I'm probably st- still too young and, and, and I've got way too much adventure and experiences ahead of me to sit down and go, right, that's my life. Here's, your, here's the autobiography. Um, so I wanted to kind of do, you know, I call it like a handbook or a tool book, but it's almost, um, it's almost half, half autobiography, half here's the tools and tricks that I learned over my time in the special forces on expeditions and combine the two into a kind of, yeah, a kind of handbook uh, for people to read and, and get a bit of insight into my life, but also uh, understand what motivates me and, and, and how they can, uh, how that can help them motivate themselves and, and how they can learn to, to, uh, to push themselves. And, uh, well, really, uh, I'm really looking forward to reading it because, um, when I heard it was coming, I was like, brilliant. This is, this is just what I need. And I think a lot of other men do in their life. I mean, I'd love the opportunity to sort of view it and, and then have you back on and do a round two and really go into the book. And, yeah, you know, sure. I think you'll be a superstar by that point to you know, like, well, even bigger than you are now. Um, I know we're well over time. Sorry for taking up so much of your time, but hey, for no, those no, listening, what do you want them to take from this interview? You know, if you had them like as a sort of go home message for them, what would you want them to remember most from this? Um, I, you know, my, my biggest thing, I think, is going back to that hardship and just, you know, especially with this challenge coming up, is just understand, understand, you know, going through struggle and going through hardships, a good thing for you and, you know, just just understand that going through difficult times will make you a, a stronger, better person, um, regardless of what those difficult times are. And for those listening who, you know, want to connect with you, who are fans of the show, but, you know, want to buy some of the amazing stuff you've gotten through Dark, want to see you on upcoming projects, want to buy the book, how can we get in touch and follow your projects? Because, you know, you're doing amazing stuff and I, I know you're going to just keep smashing out of the park, but how can we follow the latest projects you've got coming up? Yeah, so uh, I'm probably most active on Instagram. Uh, and it's just J J Y double underscore Morton M O R T O N, um, and then I'm on Twitter and Facebook as well, same same handle. Um, and then for this Trident project, we've got a separate Instagram account, which is um, basically Trident underscore project, um, and that'll be everything to do with the project. Um, all the kind of up and coming uh, content for that. Um, and then if you want to check out the clothing brand through dark is just through dark uh, mainly on instagram or facebook and twitter too well that's it for another week and thank you for listening it's now time to take what you've learned and use it to develop and enhance your life with the key points mentioned listen try it embrace it Use it and crush it.
Now's your time to hit that next level in your life. If you liked this episode, then please leave a comment on the show notes or a review of the show on your podcast platform. Everything helps evolve the show. Until next week, keep seeking the next level in your life.